Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. want to say hello to all those of you in our online campus, those of you that are watching on Facebook, listening through a podcast, or some way that uh, because these, I assume these videos will exist in perpetuity, uh, maybe you're listening to it on a device we haven't even dreamed up yet. How cool is that? However you're tuning into this content, we're just really glad that you're here today. Thanks for being with us. You're part of our family. You're part of our journey together. And we're really glad that you're here today. Let's get locked and loaded for what we're doing today. We are continuing in week two of our series called Roll With The Punches. We're also starting today is week two of 21 Days of Prayer. I hope that you've enjoyed this past week. We are doing a time of prayer, prioritizing our relationship with God, injecting the Holy Spirit back into our lives as the summer has been a disruptive to our schedule, maybe even this pandemic season with all of its unrest and all of the, the things that have come our way as a result. Maybe it has disrupted us spiritually and we are committing to 21 Days of Prayer giving God the first part of our day, connecting with him relationally through prayer and worship and through his word. And so we do that through what something we call the first 15. And we're giving God the first 15 every day, specifically getting back into the routine of doing it uh, for the, these 21 days of prayer and beyond. So today marks the beginning of week two, and we hope that you'll join us the way that you can participate, pray and spend time with the Lord on your own, but also Monday through Friday, on Facebook at 7 a.m. we go live with a small devotional and a time of prayer to get your day going. So maybe if you're unfamiliar with how to talk to God or even how to read the Bible and apply it to your life, we want to help you with that. So join us. It's just a short, punchy, powerful message that we know uh, will help you get your day going on your on your faith journey with Jesus for the day. So join us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. on Facebook. We'd love to see you there. Uh, and then you can spend time praying. You can also rewatch that, by the way. You don't have to join us live, but we'd love for you to join us live. You can rewatch it as well. Amen, everybody. All right, well, we're starting week two of this series, and uh, this series is all about rolling with the punches. It's about like when life doesn't go your way, you got to learn to adjust. And in this life of, of faith, this journey that we're on, things are not always going to go the way you want them to go, the way you expect them to go. And it's important that we be able to roll with the punches. So I'm going to help you do that in this series. Our key verse is found in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 26. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing, he says, so run to win. In other words, run with some intentionality. Have a purpose. He said, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, he's talking about fellow Christians. He's talking to the church. So when he says we, he's talking to you. So he's talking to me. He says, we do it for an eternal prize. And that eternal prize is not just our salvation, our running, the work that we're doing to make a difference in this world is not about necessarily making a difference in our lives. It's about making a difference in other people's lives so that they can turn their hearts to God and we can fill heaven with more people. That's the eternal prize. We're living our lives with intentionality, leveraging everything that we have in our power. That's our time, our talents, and our treasure, leveraging it all for an eternal prize. So Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. That's intentionality. We're going to apply. That's a huge thing that we've got to do. Apply attentionality to our lives. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. See, it's easy to become unengaged with the fight. It's easy for us as Christians. And Paul even points this out in another letter to his, uh, to his protege, Timothy. 
uh, it's easy for us to start shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is 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 a warm up routine for boxers. It's it's where they just start punching the air. They're not really fighting anybody. They're just throwing the punches. And Paul wrote to Timothy, he talked about the church, that, that at some point in time, it's going to be easy for us to get into a place where we have a form of godliness. We, we have a form where, where every Sunday I'm going to go to church and, and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to go through the motions and I'm going to do these things. I'm going to do spiritual things, but I'm going to have this form of godliness, but I'm going to deny the power thereof. In other words, shadow boxing, that, that we're walking out a Christian life that really isn't making a difference, that isn't impacting eternity. And Paul says, that's not the life we're supposed to live. We can't be shadow boxing. We've got to, when we throw a punch, we want to make sure that it lands, that it makes a difference in the fight. So last week we talked about Paul's journey to Jerusalem and we focused in on what some steps of faith look like and, and how to, to get focused and, and, and how to even take a stand. Because when we get focused and we take some steps of faith toward what God is calling us to do. The enemy will come in and try to knock you down and you need to learn how to stand and fight. So last week was was that message. Next week, I'm gonna talk to you about how to be prepared to fight the enemy. But today, today I wanna talk to you about uh, focusing in on rolling with the punches spiritually in your own journey of faith. And, and I'm going to talk to you through my journey, and I'm going to use a framework of Moses's journey from the Old Testament as well. And I'm, I'm going to give you three things that you can expect as God asks you to step out in faith. Now, Moses's journey, Moses's journey is our backdrop today, and it's an incredible journey full of faith and it's full of victories, but it's also full of a lot of setbacks. Moses, just like us, had to learn how to roll with the punches. So let's pick up his story. Uh, it's God is at this point and in this moment, he is, uh, he's nearly 80 years old. He's living out, uh, in, in with his, uh, wife and his kids and his father-in-law and he's a shepherd and he notices something strange. There's a bush that is burning and God starts talking to him out of this burning bush and God gives him a call. And he says this to him. It's Exodus three, verse 10. It says, now go, right? When God calls you, he doesn't call you to stay. He doesn't call you to remain how you are, to sit in the spot where you're comfortable and where you're familiar. He says, go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You'll lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt because the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And Moses himself was a Hebrew and, uh, but, but his story was very different and he wasn't in slavery. And so he had escaped all that. And God says, I'm sending you back. I'm sending you back. You're going to go. This is my commission to you. And each and every single one of us has or will have uh, this moment. This moment where God commissions you. A moment where you discover why you're here. For some of you, uh, if you grew up in church, maybe that was at a time when you were in youth group. For us, that we call that Ignite students. That, that maybe maybe you've been participating in Ignite and you realized in, in one of those events or one of those small groups, man, God's got a call on my life. Or maybe maybe it was a camp that you went to growing up. Or maybe it was was through serving in, in some other church. Or maybe, maybe it was here at Simple Church. You took growth track and you, you took that growth, growth track step number Two, where you discover why you are here and you're like, the light bulb went on and he said, this makes sense. You had a moment of clarity for God's plan and his purpose for your life. 
And I believe that if you haven't had that yet, you can have that. Fill out the Connect card. It's a digital Connect card right now. There is a link in the description of the video that if you'll click it, it'll you can fill it out and say, hey, I want more information on Growth Track and getting involved. And we will help you do that so that you can discover why God is here. We want to celebrate and have that moment with you. But for moment, Moses, this moment for him was the burning bush where God stepped onto his, into his life and said, I'm going to reveal my plan. And my plan is for you to go back to Egypt. And you need to understand that for Moses, that this place, Egypt, was a place of pain. It was a place of failure and a place of rejection for him. Uh, and, and the same thing happened to me. Um, you know, I grew up in church. I, I knew from the age of 16 that I was called into ministry and I got after it. I, I didn't know how to do that. I, but I didn't look at any call or any opportunity to serve in ministry as something too small for me to do. I, I was ready to go. I served in my youth ministry at a church until I turned 18 and I joined this other church and I started serving. I was working nearly 35 hours a week serving in this youth ministry. Sunday evenings and Wednesday nights doing setup and tear down the most grueling kind of work possible. But I had teenagers that were helping me do it. And we were investing in them and loving them. And kids were giving their lives to Jesus. It was this thing, crazy, crazy, insane time in my life. And I loved it. I loved every bit of it. But somewhere along the way, I, maybe my ego got too big. Maybe I felt entitled. I'm not sure, but offense crept in. And, and when offense comes, because Jesus says they will, we have a choice what to do with that offense. And I did not choose wisely. I, I didn't choose to forgive. I choose to hold it. And I held that offense in my heart. Um, but and, and because I held it in my heart, what wound up happening was that I had already left. I'd already left my ministry. I'd already left the work that I was doing. I'd already left this church. These, these kids that I had spent years investing in, I'd already left in my heart, but I hadn't left physically. I was still showing up. I was still trying to, to walk through doing ministry out of my own strength. What I was doing in my personal time was looking at pornography. I'd met a girl and I'd been a virgin up until that time. And I was in my twenties and I started having sex with her. And next thing I know, I got her pregnant. Next thing I know, we find out it's twins. And, and so I had this moral failure, right? I knew better. I, I shouldn't have been doing it. I knew better. And when I came and confessed my sins, which James 5.16 says to do, the people in my church were mad at me. My mentors were mad at me. They rejected me. And it led to more pain. And it led ultimately to, to me running for years from my calling. In fact, seven years passed. And more pain came along with that running. The looking at pornography turned into addiction to pornography where I couldn't, couldn't stop looking led the, the, the pregnancy led into a marriage to, to somebody that, that I can't tell you that I even knew how to be married. I was very selfish, self-centered. And we wound up getting divorced. And then a few years later, I got married again. And, and I wound up at a church. I wound up at a church where I was experiencing God's grace. And my pastor set me down at, after about a year and a half of being there. And he said, Aaron, he said, have you ever felt called to be a pastor? He sensed it in my life. And I was back. I was back to the place that I felt rejection. I was back to a place where I had, I had failed. I was back to a place where I had experienced pain. And what God did in me was this restorative work that not only set me free from addiction, not only restored my heart, made my second marriage even better, not only totally transformed me, 
but it also included restoring my calling. And as the result of that conversation, the result of that restorative work, we planted Simple Church in 2013. And, and our hope and our prayer was believing we could plant a church that would make the kind of difference in people's lives that my home church had made in me. And we have. My hope today is that our story, my story and my wife's story, and the story of Simple Church and Moses' story will encourage you because there's some things about actions of faith that you need to know. That when God asks you to step out in faith, first you need to know that actions of faith are possible, okay? They absolutely are possible. You know, around here at Simple Church, we believe in the Bible. We believe everything that it says. We believe that when it talks about us Christians, it says that signs and wonders will follow us. We believe that miracles happened in the Bible and they're still happening today. That God heals people. That God opens doors. That the impossible is possible. We believe that here at Simple Church. But I think where we tend to, as a people, go wrong in this living out the impossible is that we somehow wrongly believe that the impossible is on us. You know, for Moses, here he is, he's in this moment, he's at this burning bush and God is going to give him uh, three miracles to prove uh, to the people, to the Israelites, because Moses is like, how are they going to know that you sent me? And he's like, I'm going to give you three miracles to prove that I've sent you. And, and, and he's going to have him throw down his staff and that staff is going to turn into a snake, right? Now, I, I want to say this, that, that if it was us standing there in that moment and we had a staff, the, the motion of dropping something, the motion of dropping something, well, that, that's pretty easy. But our problem is we feel like the pressure is on us that once we drop the staff or drop whatever it is that God is asking us to drop, to trust him with, that whatever we drop that the responsibility is not just on us to drop it, to be obedient to that, but it's also on us to turn whatever we're dropping into the snake. And that's not our job. In fact, a journey of faith, what Jesus is asking us to do is just, just to drop it. And that's what God asked Moses to do. Just, just drop the staff. And the actions of faith that God calls us to are often simple. They're easy for us to do, but we don't take that step because we don't know how the miracle happens. We don't know what's on the other side of the staff dropping or whatever it is we're holding on to. We, we don't know how that works, but that's where faith or trust in God for the miracle comes in. Jesus said in Luke chapter one, verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. See, our approach is all wrong to faith. We tend to come to God and we want God to give us all of the solutions up front so that we don't have to rely on him. Like, like for example, we come to God and we say, well, I've got this sin issue. Or I've got this brokenness in me. And before I'm going to serve, before I'm going to give, before I'm going to take that step of faith, what I want you to do is I want you to fix me. I want you to remove the issue. I want you to remove the marital problem. I want you to remove the temptation. I want you to remove insert whatever. God, if, if you'll do this, then I'll serve. But what we're saying is, is God, I want you to put me in a position where I don't need you, <laughs> where I'm able to do it all on my own, where I'm able to take the staff, drop it and turn it into the snake myself. We say, I'm tired of coming to you over this issue, God. So I need you to fix it. I'm sorry to have to ask you again, God. I don't understand why I can't fix this on my own. I just wish you would fix it. Or I feel ashamed I can't do this on my own. And we're asking God, make me perfect so I don't have to rely on you. Paul prayed that prayer. 
He prayed that prayer. He said, he said, God, I've got this thorn in this flesh. I wish you'd remove it. And God said, nope, not doing that. He said, I'm not going to do that because if I do that, you're never going to experience my strength because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So what God does is he just leaves weaknesses. He leaves the impossible up to him. See, weaknesses cause us to lean into God for his power. And he becomes for us what we can't become for ourselves. Man, that's good stuff. For me, this this happened early on in our church planning experience. You know, I, I was like, God, you called me to plant a church. You told me to plant a church where I lived in Reynoldsburg. Okay, let's do it. And I went out and I started looking for a location. And, and here's what's funny. The location that we wound up in, hear me, the location that we wound up in, which was a funeral home, God had already given me the contact for, he'd already given me the information for, and it was in my wallet. Now, for months, I drove around with that information in my wallet, didn't even look at it, because here's what happened. In November 2012, my pastor put me on a stage with our team and said, they're going to plant a church in Reynoldsburg. And this young lady walked up to me who didn't typically attend that church. She kind of hopped around. Admittedly, she told me. Her name's April. And April came up to me after that church service and she handed me a check and her business card and said, if there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. And I looked at her business card and it said, caught in her funeral home. And I was like, thanks. I put it in my wallet next to the check. The next day, I went to the bank, deposited the check, forgot about the card. It sat in my wallet. But for months, months, I drove around looking for a location, having doors shut in my face, having phone calls not returned, having buildings bulldozed that we could have purchased or even leased. And instead, they said, now we're just going to knock it down. I spent months going through this personal pain and anguish of God. I thought you called me to Reynoldsburg. How come I can't find a location? And I had a dinner with some pastors and they said, you know, we use Cottoner Funeral Home. I said, Cottoner Funeral Home? I pulled out my wallet and there was that business card. God had already made the way so early on, I didn't even see it. And he blessed us. We walked into the space and I said, April, Hey, do you got a space there that we can use? I heard this other church used your space. Never even thought of using a funeral home. She said, yeah, come on in. We want to be a blessing to you. And they did. They blessed us. Didn't charge us a penny to plant the church. Listen to me. I'm telling you that the impossible that I had been surrounded with for months, God had already made possible way five, six months before we even started looking. God had already planned where we were going to be and what he was going to do with us and where he was going to plant us. Because with God, well, the impossible happened and we planted our church. We learned simply that I can't be good enough to do what God wanted to do for us, in us, and through us. I thought I was going to be able to find a location. No way. No. Or with, with no problems. But that's not what happened. What we discovered in this planting process was Zechariah 4, 6, and 10 says this. It's not by force nor by strength. So there's nothing I could have done that would have landed us in the spot. There, there was no amount of knocking on doors. When God's going to do what he's going to do, he's going to do the impossible. He's going to plant a church, not charge me a dime to do it. It's not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, do not despise these small beginnings. Because let me tell you, there was temptation to despise the small chapel that we were in. 
Didn't one much for growth capacity there. We had 69 chairs that we had out. That was it. And they were small chairs. And on a good day, a guy my size is sitting on one and a half of them. Come on, somebody, let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? And so we had a lot of that going around. People were spread out across them 69 chairs. And it was really about 40 people across those 69 chairs. But it was a small beginning. And there was days that, that, man, I was tempted to despise those small beginnings, to despise the fact that I was in a funeral home. But the word says, don't, don't despise the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So my question for you is, what dream has God put in your heart? What vision for your community has God given you? What business idea has he given you inspiration for? What kind of marriage could you have? What ministry are you supposed to be doing? You know, whatever those things are, they may all start out small. And I think too oftentimes we pass over the small things because we think they're too small. We think, yeah, but I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah, but it's supposed to look like this. But God doesn't see it that way. He says, don't despise the small beginnings, the small steps of faith. So what steps of faith is God waiting on you to take so that he can add his strength and his power to them today? So actions of faith are not only possible, but know this. Actions of faith are also painful. You know, when God asked Moses to throw down his staff, he didn't explain to Moses what was going to happen first. He didn't say, hey, bub, you're going to take that staff that's in your hand. You're going to throw it to the ground. It's going to turn into a snake. And then you're going to grab it by the tail, pick it up, and it's going to turn into a staff again. Uh, if God had done that, if he had laid out his plan for Moses, um, Moses may have, may have been just like, fine, like, here, here you go. But in that moment, what Moses may have considered is that the staff that he was about to lay down, well, that he might never, ever get it back. That was a consideration. He didn't know what God was going to do with it. Because see, to Moses, you need to understand that, that what he was laying down, what he was letting go of was not just a stick. It represented security for Moses. It represented, first of all, because of the, the job that he was in, the nature of the job he was in, it was safety from wild animals. This, this stick was a shepherd's rod, and it would have been able to beat back lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Like he would have used it to protect himself and to protect the flock. So he's got some on-the-job security, and he's also uh, got some, some financial security as well. Why financial security? Because he used the stick to do his job. He used it to help him walk and climb mountains and rescue lambs and protect them, and to do all avenues of his job. And it also provided him some relational security because he worked for his father-in-law. If he didn't have his staff, couldn't do his job right. That would have led to some, some issues for sure. Beyond those things, you know, when you go back and you read Moses' story, Moses saw himself as a deliverer when he was back in Egypt. So much so that he saw an Egyptian being cruel to some of his people and, and he stepped in as a deliverer and he, and he beat that Egyptian, stopped them from beating his own people and he killed that Egyptian. And, and that's who he saw himself as then. And he's long run from that thing, from being a deliverer. Now, now this staff that he has, it's his identity. He's a shepherd. And God is ultimately asking him to lay down who he is. And that's a huge sacrifice. 
But if I've learned anything in my spiritual journey with Jesus, is that Jesus is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. The Lordship of Jesus sometimes requires that we lay down something of value to us. He may ask you to lay down things that mean something to you. And in doing so, those are moments that might feel painful to you. You know, for me, I don't know how often I've told this story, but this is the personal side of, of planting the church. But, but there's some painful parts that I, I rarely talk about. One of those was that when my pastor had approached me about being a pastor, he approached me about being a campus pastor for his church. What that meant was, is I didn't have to be the lead pastor. I didn't have to be the visionary pastor. That basically my job was to be an assistant pastor. A campus pastor is somebody who loves the people in that community. And on Sunday mornings, um, I push play and the message that he had either it was going to air live or he had pre-recorded would play on a screen there. We'd have live worship and live fellowship, but, but the message would be pre-recorded and the, the direction of our church would be decided by him. Like my job was to push play and love people. That's what I called it. And I, and I was like, I signed up for that. The Lord asked me to do that. That was the call. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I went through a lot of training. I went through a lot of preparation, did an internship with my pastor walked with other pastors, was in a bullpen, spoke at youth ministries, kind of got some, some preaching under my belt because I had none before, did lots of things to prepare me for this. And just a few months before that campus was going to launch, my pastor called me into his office and said, hey, we're going to let you off the hook. So our board met and we began talking about you and said, I know that you've been on this journey for the last year of preparing, you've taken time off work and done education stuff and you've gotten credentialed and gone through interviews and had your past dug through and you've even, you've even eliminated a lot of debt. You've done a lot of great work. But at the end of the day, our board looked at your resume. You've got no ministry experience other than volunteerism. And he said, we're going to let you off the hook. You're not going to be our campus pastor anymore. In that moment, all I heard was that I wasn't good enough. In fact, I went home. That's what I told my wife. And there, there was some further conversation in that moment. And I'll get to that. But all I heard was I wasn't good enough. And I went home and I told my wife what he told me. And we both cried together. And then and that was on a Thursday. And then on Sunday, we went to church and we sat on the second row like we were accustomed to. And the message that Sunday was, was entitled, Not Good Enough. And we sat on the front row and we held, held hands and we cried through the entire message because we just felt like it was continuing to pull at that, that pain point for us. The thing that had been going on for months, though, leading up to this conversation was that I knew God was calling me to plant a church. And I kept telling him, no, 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 I've said yes to my pastor and I'm going to be a campus pastor for him. I kept putting it on a back burner. That was a someday thing. And I, and I never would have said yes to that initially. I never would have said yes to planting my own church. I was okay helping somebody else with a campus church. But that shift, that shift in that moment where they said, 
hey, we're gonna have to let you go. Your, your resume doesn't line up. We don't think you're actually gonna be able to do the job. We don't think that we wanna put our name on you because you're not qualified enough. That's all the things that it communicated to me. But what God wanted from me was more than I had been willing to give up until that point. And God knew me well enough and that's why he took me through a process of saying yes to something smaller, a small step of faith. And though I was gonna be confronted with this moment of pain, the step to plant my own church was not the huge step anymore. It was just another small step to say yes to. But I felt what Jeremiah felt. In Lamentations chapter three, verse 19 through 23, he said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well, and my soul is downcast within me. When I think back on those times, when I think about that conversation, I remember that pain. And, and though I've dealt with any issues of forgiveness that need to be done there, my pastor and I are great friends and I enjoy our relationship. I hold nothing against them. I know this was part of my journey. This was a pain point for me though. And I can remember that and I can allow that to stall me out. I could have allowed that to be the moment of offense because offense was in my previous journey. Offense is what took me off my ministry path before. And I felt like God was giving me an opportunity to, do you want to hold on to this? Like Jeremiah is talking about, I remember it. I'm holding on to it. Or are you going to let it go? Continues on and Jeremiah says, yet. So I got this pain. He said, yet. This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Which by the way, the greatest hope we have is our calling. He said, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Thank God for that. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Out of that moment, God brought lots of blessing. In fact, in that moment, my pastor looked at me and he said, he said, we're going to let you go. And this is the part of the conversation I left out. But he said, but you're going to plant a church, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And I couldn't stop those words from coming out of my mouth. Whether it was just out of spite in that moment, but I, or whether it was sheer faith, I can't tell. Let's go with faith. God brought lots of blessing through that because my pastor blessed us with people, with finances. I was already had gone through all of the church planner training. Uh, therefore, getting approved to plant and receive additional finances and the blessing to do what we wanted to do. It was done in a moment. It was a quick work. And though it was painful, it was a powerful redirect to launch this work here at Simple Church. And I'm here to tell you that your journey, like mine and like Moses's, is going to have some painful moments too. You're going to have to lay down what you expected. You're going to have to give up the plans that you had because it's not going to go your way. It's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. It never does. Sometimes you're going to have to lay down the things that define you. And you're going to need to surrender to the direction of God in your life moment by moment and get to a place where he's all you ever need. And I'm gonna tell you that, that through these moments of pain on this journey, as you're taking your steps of faith and your actions of faith, you're gonna learn how to pray, you're gonna learn how to trust him more, and you're gonna learn how to walk by faith. So actions of faith are possible. They'll come with some painful moments, but you'll also find that actions of faith are progressive. You see, for Moses, um, God said, hey, I'm going to send you to the promised land, right? You're going to deliver the people and you're going to wind up at the promised land. And, but it didn't happen as quick as Moses throwing down his rod and it turning into a snake. 
and then they were at the promised land. It, it just didn't happen that fast. In fact, God sent Moses to do three miracles, and the people believed in him and bought in, bought in but Pharaoh didn't. And then, and then it took 10 plagues. And then it took 40 years in the wilderness until they got to the promised land. And even once they got to the promised land, God doesn't give it to them all at once. He doesn't, he doesn't do the, the impossible all at once. He just does it little step by little step. It's progressive. And it says in Exodus 23, verse 29 through 30, it says, but I will not drive them out in a single year. He's talking about the promised land. They're here at the edge of it. He says, because the land would be, become desolate. And the wild animals too numerous for you. And little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. See, God's promise comes progressively in our lives because I think if it came all at once, it would crush us. In fact, to move into the promised land for the Israelites would have been overwhelming to them. They didn't have enough people. They didn't have enough resources. They weren't established enough to move into this land, have everybody move out on their own like immediately, and then just have it all. They just couldn't. They needed to establish government. They needed to establish relationships, boundaries. There's a whole lot of work that had to happen. And so God lets it happen progressively. The impossible happened over time. And for us, you know, we, we started our journey in the funeral home. And the launch Sunday had 117 people. The next Sunday, man, my preaching was so good that only 57 of those people came back. And then later on that summer, just like a month and a half later, 15 people were the only people that showed up on a Sunday morning. Bless the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, I went home that day and I said, God, I am never again preaching to a room with only 15 people in it at my church. Never again. I need you to do whatever work you need to do in me. I need you to give me whatever wisdom I need. Open my eyes, open my heart, whatever we need. I don't ever want to do that again. Because those 15 people were my family and my launch team, right? And that was only half of them. Sometime later, we caught the big mo. That's the momentum. And our church, we grew to two services in a funeral home. And we needed more space because we didn't have any more chairs. People standing in the lobby, stand, people craning their necks around doors to try to look in and see what we were doing in the funeral home. And we moved our church to a warehouse and we grew to about 250 people. From there, because we're busting at the seams in our kids' ministry space, our time had been spent there. We went on a painful two-year journey into COVID at another location. And now, well, now I'm standing in a storage unit that we've converted into a studio so that we can continue to be connected with each other as a church. But that's not it. See, I think if God had said, hey, Aaron, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go from a funeral home to a warehouse, and then you're going to go to a place that is going to seem like a blessing to you, but it's not. It's going to be a really painful season for you. And then you're going to be in a storage unit. I don't think I would have said yes to that. I don't know about you. Would you? I don't know. But what's beautiful is now God is setting us up in a new place. And, and I, was, I was in our building uh, a week and a half ago meeting with the bank. The appraiser's walking through. The bank is asking us questions about what we're going to do there. And they're like, well, have you thought about this? And have you been concerned about this? And what do you know about this? And, and every concern that they offered me, I was able to knock out of the park because of the way that God has blessed us. And what's, what's true about this moment is though I'm standing here in, a, in the middle of a storage unit, I can't wait to get to that new building with you. I can't wait to get there. 
I can't wait to see what a difference God is going to make in that part of our city and then throughout the city and the cities around us. I can't wait to see what God is going to do in you. And here's the truth. I don't think God is blessing us with this building, with, with the finances, with the, the equity that, the, that, that Aldi has donated to us, with the, the, the refrigeration units they've donated to us, the organizations that are already lining up and offering us cash to help us get started. I don't think God is blessing us because I'm something special, because I'm unique. I don't think it's because of any of those things. What I think it is is because we haven't quit. We haven't quit. Galatians 6, 9 tells us. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not the only one here who hasn't given up. I'm thankful for the people that, that have been with me since the very beginning. I'm thankful for my wife who worked, you know, third shift all night long and then showed up on a Sunday morning and helped move furniture and helped get a church planted in a funeral home. She never gave up. And even in times when I've wanted to give up, and there's been times this year I've wanted to give up. She hasn't given up. And Kyle and Derek and Tim and Amy, they're still here. Through all of our seasons changes, through all of our our ups and downs, through the the positive moments, the moments that we've celebrated, to the most painful ones, to the the seasons of like this, where we're like, okay, Lord, we've been in this studio. We've been faithful. Now what? They haven't given up to the rest of my team and the rest of you that are still with us. I'm thankful. See, I think it's easy for us to get tired. It's easy for us to get tired of reaching lost people. It's easy for us to get tired of making the sacrifice of inviting somebody to a watch party or to an online service or, or, or it's easy to get tired of giving. It's easy to get tired of serving. It can get exhausting. But God's word says, if we keep at it, God has not one blessing, but that verse says he's got a harvest of blessings for us. So don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on that kid who seems to be walking further and further away from God and from you. Don't quit on that business idea God has given you. Don't quit on that calling that God has for your life. So today, as I'm wrapping up, I'm going to give you two questions that I'd love for you to answer. And if you want to share them with us by using that digital connect card, and we will be, we'll join you in prayer over those things. But, you know, on your journey of faith, what are you holding on to? You know, because we've all got a staff. We've all got an identity. We've all got a sense of security in some way that we're holding on to. What's in your hand that God is asking you to surrender that he's saying, you know, I'm going to do a miracle if you'll just let go of it. If you'll just take that next step, and it's simple. You likely already know what it is. And here's my next question. Are you willing to surrender it? Are you willing to surrender to the Lordship of Christ in your life so that you can follow Jesus on this journey that he has for you? I'm telling you, the greatest miracle that God has for you 
The God of the impossible is waiting to act. He's waiting on you to take a step of faith. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would just help us to roll with the punches. I know that our journeys of faith are not perfect, that we aren't perfect, that as we follow you, Jesus, we're doing our best. We're giving it our all. But as we do this, Jesus, I know that some of us have got some doubt, some doubt that what you called us to is actually possible, that the ministry you've given us, that, that the marriage that your word says we can have, the kind of relationships that we can have, the kind of faith that we can have, the kind of miracles that you want to do in our lives, the healings that you have for us in our hearts, our minds, and our relationships, and our bodies, Lord, and all these things, God, I know that we've got some doubts. And I pray that you give us faith to believe that it is possible that what you called for us to do, what you got for us to do is indeed possible because it's possible with you. Not that it's possible with us, but that it's possible with you. And then God, I ask you, Lord, to help us that on this journey, there's gonna be moments that are painful. And so I'm just asking, help us walk through the pain in a way that is honoring to you, honoring to ourselves, honoring to the calling. Lord, may we not choose offense, but may we choose to trust you and walk through forgiveness instead. That in those moments of pain, may we know that there's not any pain that is brought into our lives that you won't use for our good and for your glory. Lord, and as what you've called us to do begins to open up and progress, help our faith and our capacity to grow with it. May we not grow tired in the good that you've called us to do. Now in this moment, as we're continuing to pray, I just want to speak to those of you that would find yourself far from God. That, that maybe your journey of faith, your first step right now or next step right now is a step towards God. Maybe you've taken a thousand steps in the opposite direction of him, but here's what, what is good news. You don't have a thousand steps to get back to him. You have one and it's to turn around. It's to turn towards him. It's to confess your need for him. That's all you need to do. And you're going to have that opportunity right here and right now, whether you've said yes to Jesus before and maybe you've walked far away from him or maybe maybe today you're feeling him knock on the, the door of your heart. You're feeling a drawing. I need a relationship with God. We experience a relationship with God through the sacrificial work of Jesus. And if you're ready to receive all that Jesus has for you, man, I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to turn towards a relationship with God where you can begin to know him and then you can you too can begin taking steps of faith towards what God has called you to do because you can't do it without him if you're ready to make a God-sized difference in this world it begins with knowing him so join me in this prayer and if you're on our online campus there's a way for you to let us know you're saying yes to Jesus so we can all celebrate with you click that I'm raising my hand right now I'm saying yes to Jesus button and then pray this prayer say Jesus I need you Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Help me roll with the punches on this journey of faith you've called me to. And help me tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And the Bible says if you prayed that prayer today, that all of heaven is having a party. We're having a party too, and I mean it. We are celebrating with you. This is the greatest decision you have ever made in your life, and we are here for it, fam. We are here for it. So I'm so glad you guys have made that decision today. If you've made that decision, make the second best decision you can make today. 
fill out the connection card, let us know, because we're not there with you, I can't see you. So fill out the connection card. That lets me know that you've made a decision today. I promise you I won't harass you. I'm not gonna hunt you down or show up at your door. All we wanna do is resource you with your next steps of faith. All right, amen everybody? So let's do that. Click that digital connection link. It's either in the chat description or found around uh, around the campus. If you're online or listening to the podcast, go to the, the link in the description of the video and you will find that there uh, to fill that out. No matter where you are, no matter what time of day it is, we would love to celebrate that with you and help you with your next steps. Now, as we wrap up today's service, I want to give an opportunity for those of you that are here with us to give. So thankful for your generosity, especially in this season, man, as we are moving towards this new building, it means the world to me to know that you are still partnering with us, that you are with us, and you are ready to do what God has for us to do in this next phase, in this next season. You're able to give your tithes, which is, which is the Lord saying, God, I'm gonna trust you with my first 10% of all my income. And I know there's plenty of you that are giving above and beyond. You're giving offerings to the In This Together Fund. You're also giving to the Building Fund. And I thank you for your faithfulness in those things. We pray that uh, God blesses you and all those things. The ways to give are being found here right now on the screen. Uh, so as you do that, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, just, uh, I kind of already gave you the announcement about what's going on with the building in the message. If you missed that, uh, go back and watch it. If you're, you're late to it, rewatch it. There's, uh, there's information there on the building. We've got a gathering coming up. Uh, very, very soon. I think it's next Sunday. So uh, if you want to hear me preach live, you want to worship with us live, uh, we'll be at the park, 6 p.m. Huber Park. And uh, again, we'll just love to see you there. Hope that you join us on our 21 days of prayer. And, uh, and I love you guys so much. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. And we will see you live in person at the park as we continue this series.